What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the 28th episode of Till Good Game Do Us Part. We did not have an episode last week, partially my fault. Um, I was not feeling great. Henry was somewhere. I can't remember, but he's not here today. He's in L.A. for a convention, if I'm not mistaken. So this will be a solo episode once again. Again, I want to apologize for last week for not having an episode. I've been in a really, really bad, I won't say really, really bad, a pretty jacked mental state. Um, I think I've come to terms and this is self diag so what is it? Delf self diagnosis of slight depression. Um, I think part of it's mainly because of work. It's super, 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 super been stressing me out lately. Um, and it has nothing to do with the work itself or it's more of the department, but I don't want to dive too much into that. Maybe once this new job that I'm getting. Once I leave, maybe I'll discuss a little bit on the show. Who knows? But that's part of the reason why I didn't have an episode last week. So I apologize so much to you guys for that. Um, but this is the 20th episode. So some of the news that we are going to get into might be a little old, but I think it's still relevant and people should know. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And we will discuss more recent news such as, or starting with, the events that occurred this weekend, at least two of the ones that I watched, right? That would be the final caught champs. And I think that is due to it being run by MLG, if I'm not mistaken, or no, I don't know if it's run by Activision. Actually, I have, I just watched caught. I'm not super invested into the community itself, but they had their final um, Call of Duty champions before they do the franchise league and E United won. They beat uh, 100 Thieves. I'm not sure what the score was. I didn't pay attention to the score, honestly. Because uh, I started watching the Rainbow Six Siege Raleigh Majors. And they were doing their finals, who, which it was Team Empire versus G2. But we'll stick to COD for now, right? So congratulations to E United for winning the whole thing. Congratulations to uh, 100 Thieves for getting second place. Coming back from an incredible losers uh bracket run i think they got like knocked out in the first round of like the bracket play and was in losers round and made it all the way back up to uh the finals like losers final or whatever but we have to pay respects and give our appreciation to optic gaming they placed third um losing to 100 thieves within the losers bracket and it's sad to see because I kind of wanted Optic to win mainly for it to be like the fairy tale storybook ending to an org that is essentially going to be no longer within the scene, especially with the people in the the fans and the staff who are backing Optic currently, especially within the COD space. So it would have been dope to get that storybook ending of them winning a world championship, like at the final Call of Duty championship, and then like the org being no more. Like it would have just been perfect closing. But I feel like from what I've watched of COD and what I've seen like through social media is E United has been a very, very strong team along with 100 Thieves. So me seeing them in the finals was not surprising. Um, and I've noticed that 100 Thieves have been 
playing phenomenal in COD. Like, I'm always seeing them, when I watch their games, I'm not seeing them lose too frequently. But, again, I'm not super invested in Call of Duty community, so I don't know how well they play, like, you know, what teams are better than them or who are lesser than them. But from what I've watched, I think they're a pretty solid team. Um, I would love to see these guys continue to play within the franchise of Call of Duty um, in the following year or in the following season. But that was, like we discussed on a previous episode, that was up in the air because Nate Shot has said, like, you know, I don't know if we're going to buy into the Call of Duty franchise. And I think a lot of the teams who are currently in COD are hesitant. Like, we've already seen Evil Geniuses say, like, hey, we're not buying into the franchise. Like, we're just not doing it. And I don't, I don't know if it's because of the ecosystem that Activision Blizzard is creating with um, Overwatch and, and, and trying to do with Call of Duty, like what they're doing with Overwatch trying to do with Call of Duty and make it into like an intertwined ecosystem where essentially you would have, kind of like in traditional sports now, where you have like these owners who own like portions of like an NBA team, an NFL team, like an MLB team, and like they control the the market, you know what I mean? So instead of having to go to each individual game and say, "Hey, you know we're franchise, but we don't work with this, you know this team or this owner," blah blah blah, you essentially have one sole person that you can go to and say, "Like, hey, we want to do this with this COD team. Hey, we want to do this with this Overwatch team." And you're not having like these conflicting like meetings and like topics and decisions being made. So I could see why a lot of people are hesitant to buy in it, buy into it, especially if they aren't already invested into overwatch and may already be invested more into like LCS. Even though I think LCS is very independent, like the owners of that to some extent are very independent of, um, franchising within overwatch. I think there are a few. Uh, but yeah, I I can see why teams are hesitant. So if 100 Thieves are not in the Call of Duty franchise season next year, and I just mean the the brand, not those players per se, because I don't see those players. Right now, in a lot of the players that are in COD, I cannot see not being in the franchise unless they are retiring as a player and you know continuing to be a content creator for the brands. Um, you know, unfortunately not for Optic because they will no longer exist or they'll exist to some extent within the COD space. But the people that we see on it now and the people that are beloved by Optic won't be like associated or parted with part of that from what we're seeing now or from what people are saying. Um, I don't know if United, you know, with them winning a world championship, it would be really weird not to see that org invest and i don't know if they already have or that's in works um but it would be weird to win that championship and then not see them invest in the franchise but again a lot of that comes down to them believing in activision and blizzard to or activision blizzard to have a strong franchise model built up um with cod being a little bit more in a focused 
the popularity of it being more NA focused, I could see them having the, um, you know, city based geolocation more than like Overwatch because Overwatch again, it's you know, it it's worldwide and so is COD. Like all these games are worldwide, but with COD, it it would make the home based geolocation a little bit easier um, because it is so NA focused, uh, NA focused game. But it it really comes down to just these co these owners believing in the franchise model, and I and I think a lot of them don't like that because of it takes away from grassroots. Um, to some extent, you limit the amount of money as far as prize pools go because you're relying on Activision Blizzard, the publisher, to put a lot of the money forward um and then uh, the amount that they're the money the money that they're taking out like because they they own the rights to all this so they can say you know who can make what and where the money goes like yeah of course they'll have sponsorships right and of course they'll pay the players i think the players and ours will, will be played decently but again you're limiting yourself and to some extent like not allowing yourself to have certain sponsors because of if that sponsor conflicts with the league sponsorship, it would just be well, no, because I think in regular sports you have like conflicting because it, it it comes down to the org, right? But I think a lot of people just don't believe in in the franchise model. So yeah, that was kind of a ramble. I'm sorry again, my mind is really really scattered. But I really want to do this episode because I feel like it would help. But again, congratulations to E United for winning the uh, Call of Duty World Championships and 100 Thieves to get in second and Optic for getting third. That's what I wanted to go to. Optic, uh, everyone's getting emotional on Twitter, posting pictures and tweeting at Hex, Hector. And, you know, just it's kind of like a really, really bittersweet moment for Optic. And everyone that's a green wall, like I've never been a big green wall fan, even like when I saw them, like when they had their team in Halo, they had a dominant, I think they might've had like, if not the first, now the longest reigning dominant, uh, like run in Halo, it was definitely second, but even like, I even had like a passion of like hatred, but like appreciation for like, you know, the optic brand because of like their Halo team. So I understand the, the the passion and love that people have for the green wall um but it, it is really a bitter moment for uh esports as a whole and i would like to see what that organization does as far as continuing within this esports space because i can't really i don't want to see them leave i'm pretty sure a lot of people don't want to see them leave um so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Like, I think a lot of this happened quickly. Um, and it became so big that I don't know if there was, like, a plan. Like, it, it happened so quickly that, like, there could not have been a a backup plan for what to do next. Really, outside of just, like, let's start another organization. But then it's almost as if you're building that you know back up from the ground because you've lost all your branding now at this point yeah it'll be 
I, and I won't say it won't be super easy. I think they will have a slightly easier time because of the names that have been associated with that and people knowing who they are to build a organization back up from the ground. But I think it won't be the same just because it won't be, you know, it won't have that legacy. It'll have, it'll almost be like a tainted stain kind of because it's, uh, we had to do this because of the bullshit that happened with our baby. You know, like we don't have the legacy of optic gaming anymore. We're starting fresh, but who knows? That could be a good thing. Um, so yeah, if you're listening to this, you know, tweet your favorite, like green wall moments at us or just in general, show your appreciation for them. I'm definitely going to do that after this episode. Um, heck I might even dedicate this episode to like optic just because again, it's a bittersweet moment for esports, and you have to respect everything that that entire organization has been through done. Um, everything that's branched out from optic at this point, like you essentially got an, an entire another franchise out of optic gaming um multiple if anything you have a hundred thieves like come on like you have to show your appreciation for it so hashtag green wall even though i'm not the biggest fan of them hashtag green wall all right um i'm gonna talk about let's talk about the uh raleigh major uh for rainbow six siege congratulations to g no 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 Excuse me. Congratulations to Team Empire. They're a Russian team who beat G2, who were the previous champions. Um, I've been playing a lot of Siege lately. Like, a lot of Siege. Like, this past week, I've had off the entire week, and I essentially played Siege the entire time that I was off. And I've just fallen back in love with this game from, like, when I fell in love with it the first time when I was playing uh, and the Alpha. And I don't, I don't know what it is. I think it's, like, a really because it's so tactical and i think that's why i loved PUBG so much because PUBG could actually be a tactical game um going back to siege feels really good and i and i want to get i want to improve at it and it really makes you think it's not just like the typical run and gun shooter like um you know for example god or like gears or it it, it it's super super tactical and i feel like that's why i've been embracing the game so much now like once again um because before when i stopped playing it it wasn't because you know everyone's like oh it's campy i just kind of like stopped playing the alpha and when the game released i hadn't like picked it back up and you know started playing but my biggest issue with the game is like people saying like oh it's campy any game can be campy. And I say this all the time with like PUBG. Any game can be campy. It depends on your play style. Now, if the other team is being campy, I can understand that. But you can also force them to not like Siege is so tactical that you can literally force other people to play your game style. If you're confident within yourself, your game and map knowledge, and if you are able to even if you're playing with randoms like even if you're able to like instruct your team or provide intel for your team i feel like you can really sway that whole notion of oh it's a campy game because they have characters that are roamers like yeah you still you know crouch don't make noise be silent you know but it's still not like campy i think just because people see it as i think people see the tactfulness of it 
and that you can that most people end up barricading themselves in a room and like watching angles everyone says oh it's campy oh it's campy like this person just sitting there but it's like you can create different scenarios and gunfights where you break that habit of it being campy and there again there's so many there are a lot of people that run and gun in the game like they freaking break barricaded windows jump out exposing themselves and shoot you and and it it eliminates that sense of campiness but i think people have to come to terms with you have to acknowledge that your play style especially with you being unfamiliar to the game everything will feel campy because you're nervous you're hesitant and you don't want to lose and you're trying to learn the game now there are people who play whose play styles are campy but i think it's up to you as the individual to learn to play against that and how to counter it and and what scenarios you know actually need to be camped and what scenarios you can roam and push and slay um so back to the uh, raleigh major right so after the finals today i noticed that a lot of people were saying like this kid shepherd might have been cheating because he was like he might have had a tracking thing on his game because he he was behind a wall and i don't think it was a soft wall that he could shoot through i think it was a solid object and he he, he's like literally watching someone's outline but he doesn't know they're there because like he doesn't have direct vision but he's watching their outline someone peeks a wall that's broken he 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 leans kills that guy and then immediately leans back and starts to pre-fire into an opening uh, i think it was like visa offices and like gets a kill and people were questioning like that's a little sketch like why is he watching that angle and how does he know that guy's there but it's like, I think a lot of people are ignoring game. Now, now I don't want to say he's not cheating because that I don't know. Like people are saying like, oh, this kid was a nobody. He's come, you know, he's come up and he's essentially made this team. And now he's won a major, but like no one knew he was who he was before this event. Like you're not going to know every player. And I think if I'm not mistaken, it was Team Empire who they said like these guys didn't qualify for challengers um, or no, that might have been. Was it? I don't remember. I, I, I want to say that it was Team Empire, but I remember the commentators making mention that there was a team that made it to majors who essentially weren't in Challenger or had just gotten to Challenger League, had never been to Pro League, and they're out here like beating top tier teams from like the European Pro League. So, like, to say like this kid has come out of nowhere and like no one knew who he was before this event or this land, I feel like that's a poor argument. Now again, if if he's if he was cheating and that's how he got there, you know, cool, you were right. But I I just feel like it's a slightly poor argument to say like, oh, no one knew who this guy was, and now he's at a major. But I think people also aren't taking into consideration that there might have been some map knowledge. There might have been intel. Like people are saying like, oh, the Valkyrie cam wasn't there, or you know, no one was dead to be on cams. Like in Siege, you don't need to be dead to watch cams. And you don't need to have Valkyrie cams to make a call out. You could just say like, hey, saw this person this way. And you being an intelligent player or knowing the game. Okay, if this person's this location, they only have two options. They only have two ways to go, you know, from certain situations, right? So if you know where your positioning is, where your teammate's positioning is, you can kind of take it like a guess and say, okay, they might come down this. I'm just going to spray. I just killed his teammate who was who was coming to push 
So it's it's a possibility that he might come through this doorway if he's not directly behind them. So let me just pre-fire, see if I get fired back or get a kill. But I think a lot of people are ignoring the fact that, again, it could be game knowledge and they just want to say like, oh, this dude is cheating, like off rip. You know what I mean? Especially after they just won. But I think they were saying like this yesterday, like before they made it to the finals. Um, it's just weird. I hope that this guy Shepard wasn't cheating because for me it would be disappointing not because I'm a fan of Team Empire but more because it would be disappointing as someone who is very eager to learn about Siege again and get invested into that community and ecosystem that it would just be like really discouraging like I know people are probably going to be like well you're super invested in PUBG and those guys have cheaters all the time but with PUBG it it, 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 it it was discouraging for sure but I think there was so missing the number of genuine people who wanted to get better at the game and watching PUBG streamers who I knew per se weren't cheating um, or at least it hadn't come out that they were cheating it gave me confidence in the players and again same thing with Siege like I have confidence in them but it would just kind of suck to see like someone it would suck for that information to come out that someone won a major um, especially not on their home turf and knocking out all the home turf teams and then winning and then the whole backing of hey this dude was a no one and then it comes out that he was cheating again I don't think that's the best like argument but again I'm just happy to be invested into another game outside of PUBG because I feel like PUBG has been lacking especially uh, content creator wise and I think a lot of people are losing hope within the game or hope before the game and the competitive scene so we'll see right now I'm, I'm a bit more invested in Siege than I am PUBG but PUBG will always have my heart in regards to like the players and just like what it's done right so again congratulations to Empire and I guess you can say congratulations to G2 for getting second and we'll see how they come back from that right so let's get into some other topics. Let's get into Dota International. They, the international bracket is finally, you know, group stages are over. And I think it's tomorrow, Monday, August 19th. Um, the, the bracket play will start. And the bracket play will start with LGD versus Virtus Pro. And... This is the, the upper bracket. So I think like these are the people who technically won't get eliminated right away. If I'm not mistaken, the upper bracket is who will not get uh, eliminated right away. And then they'll drop down to the lower bracket. Yeah, so lower bracket is loser's bracket or whatever. So in the, again, in the upper bracket, this is LGD, LGD versus Virtus Pro. Um, you have Vindictus Gaming versus TNC Predator. Then you have OG versus Newbie. And you have Secret versus EG. That is the upper bracket for to see, you know, who's going who's gonna to continue through the winner's bracket and get knocked down to the lower. I have not watched Dota in probably two years. Um mainly because Dota has so many events and MOBAs have kind of lost their appeal to me, but I'm still going to give my predictions on here. 
And these are going to be predictions that I have no idea who's playing on these teams, how well they've been doing. These are literally random predictions, but I'm going to run through the rest of them, right? Uh, from the lower bracket before I give my full on prediction. So for the lower bracket, you have, and the, these matches will be on Tuesday. Well, not all of the lower bracket, but some of them, and some of them from the winner's bracket. Anywho, the lower bracket is Alliance versus Royal Never Give Up. Then you have Fanatic versus Liquid. You have, who is this, who is this? You have I've, INF versus King. Oh, Infamous Game. You have Infamous versus King Gaming. And then you have Minsky versus Navi. Okay. So, from these brackets, or who's matched with who, I'm going to make my predictions in regards to... Should I do a full-on prediction? Or should I just do, like, the first round? I'll do... I'll do the first round because they're only playing up until Wednesday. And then by Thursday, Friday, there'll probably have been more matches. Or I'll just say who I'll think will make it to the semifinals and then the championship. Cool. Whatever. So I think LGD will beat Virtus Pro. I think Vindictus Gaming will beat TNC. I think newbie will be OG and that's mainly because newbie just came back like as an org like they just made it back into international um, like as a as a brand so I'm gonna go with newbie secret versus EG I'm gonna go with EG because of my boy Samuel so call me bias if you want but I'm going with EG over secret I think RNG will beat Alliance. I think Fnatic will. I have Fnatic over Liquid. Actually, no. I have Liquid over Fnatic. I'll pick Infamous over Keen Gaming. And then I'll pick Navi over Minsky. So that would be. That would be what in round. So in round two, that means I would have Royal versus Virtus Pro. Liquid versus TNC. Infamous versus OG. And Navi versus Secret. So from those, I would pick. I will pick Royal over Virtus Pro. Liquid over TNC, OG over Infamous, and Navi, Navi over Secret. And that'll put us at round three, so that would be LGD versus Vindictus Gaming. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Vindictus Gaming, EG versus Newbie. I feel like that's always a classic line like matchup. I'm gonna go EG again. 
Um, Royal versus Liquid. I'll go Liquid. You know, yeah, I'm gonna go Liquid. And then, who did I say in round two? I said Secret over. No, no, no. I said OG. OG over. Uh, OG over Infamous, and then Navi over Secret. Hmm. <laughs> I think I'll pick Navi over OG for that. Then Liquid versus Navi. I'll go Liquid. That'll put us at round five. So it'll be LGD versus Evil Geniuses. I'm going to go Evil Geniuses. And then we'll say Liquid versus Navi. I'm going to go Liquid. Then LG over LGD over Liquid. I'm going to go Liquid. So I think the grand I think the the grand finals will be Liquid versus EG with EG taking no with Liquid taking it all. So I'm going to go Team Liquid is winning the entire event but EG making it to the grand finals. I know that sounds off after I just said I, I want an EG, but I think EG will make it to the grand finals. So moving on from that Dota, and sorry if that took long. Again, I haven't watched Dota in forever, so it was just random guessing. But let me know what you guys think and who who you have in your brackets. So let's talk about Epsilon. They will be disbanding the entire org after 11 years of operation. Um, this came out on August 2nd that the Belgium-based organization will be closing or disbanding. Um, and and it, it comes as a shock that they're disbanding because I think it was earlier, was it earlier this year? No, last year. Um, they partnered with Manchester City, the Premier League team, um, to to help like boost the esports presence because I don't know if you all are aware, but there was at some point I think it was last year of twenty eighteen, um, pretty much a large number of English Premier teams started investing in esports orgs and picking up FIFA players, mainly to essentially kind of mimic what the NBA did with the two K league, um. You know, they wanted to have players that were playing their game, but they would represent the team versus just like it being some random. They'd be a part of the organization, but they would still represent like the football club. So that's essentially what the the English Premier League was doing. So them investing into Epsilon and then them shutting down is really, really weird. And I don't know if it has anything to do with like some of the the, the controversy that came up with Epsilon not having paid players. And now that all this money came in from all these partners and investors, you know, it, it could be the, you know, the investment group running you know, or the, uh, the Epsilon staff running with the money, you know, taking the money and running. But it just seems really, really weird that they got these big investments and then like out of nowhere, it's like, hey, like we're not going to exist any longer. But I, I think I'm going to try to reach out to someone from Epsilon and see like 
what the hell is going on with that. It, it just seems really funky. Um, but in the article, it does say that the organization had been struggling to keep up with its increasing expensive in, expenses in esports um, and its inability to compensate uh, offers better by by better funded team better funded team excuse me um, were named as the main reasons to stop op- operations and was more than the team could manage so it essentially seems like they got money they mismanaged it and then when other team when better funded teams were offering them like compensation they were just kind of like we don't know how to handle that or they couldn't they couldn't because they were mismanaging the money they couldn't compete with the better funded teams so to me that sounds like we mismanaged we mismanaged our money so we don't know how to compete to these other guys who who we are going to assume are better funded and probably are better funded but just aren't mismanaged as much and if I'm not mistaken yeah they're a Belgian based team but I think they had like a, a team I want to say it was probably their Gears team that was signed like uh, they were like UK players and it says that the CEO is set to leave esports for good after after disbanding this so and they don't know if he's going to sell the team or if he tried to sell the team or or and he couldn't get a buyer um, or if he didn't do anything at all and just was like, we're shutting it down. But again, it's really even with the miss, even with the part where they're saying like, you know, they had increasing increasing expenses. It still just seems like it was just mismanaged. And it's still very surprising. And I think because when they got when they got these uh, bigger investments with money. And realize like we have to like pay our players out, we have to pay back these debts. It became overwhelming, and they wanted, you know, of course they wanted to have the money. They wanted to have showcase a certain lifestyle for themselves and probably maintain a certain lifestyle for themselves. So when that money came in, they probably tried to tried to find an out. And instead of just saying, "Hey, we'll pay this back," it's, "Hey, we can't pay any of this back. We we mismanage our funds. We have to close everything." So that's that with that, right? So Shanghai is getting an esports park, which is essentially going to be the same as what Philly Fusion is trying to do with their esports arenas. Um, or I don't know if Philly is building an esports arena. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're building a full-on park, which will contain multiple esports arenas, for, you know, uh, not necessarily for different games, but different size uh arenas and that's essentially what shanghai is doing and the guys that are investing into this park creation is NetEase, who um own or invest into the shanghai dragons of the overwatch league so essentially what they're doing is they they're trying to set a standard of i think it's four different four different type of arenas and it'll be like a you know small scale which i think is d uh, you know, small to mid is C, mid to large is B, and then like your main stages will be like A. But they're trying to set like a standard for like these venues layouts and settings that people in I guess other areas or cities will copy, 
um, to set a standard of, you know, this is what an esports park should look like. Um, here, here's how, you know, the venue layouts will be based on the size and the scale of, you know, uh, uh, fan turnout or, you know, the space that you can utilize with the fans. I like it. I just don't want it to get insane with how like we are now with stadiums like essentially what happened like in Brazil with the World Cup when they just were throwing up you know these stadiums and like they're no longer going to have use now that the World Cup is over there like what are they going to use those stadiums for right I don't think they I don't know I can't speak for Brazil but there aren't enough large esports teams that will be able to that that will have the funding to utilize these state these uh arenas and i'm pretty sure they will try to rent them out i can't see them just being like yeah come through like you can use this like it'll definitely be a rented out thing and it could it it could come down to tournament organizers but it kind of helps tournament organizers have like a space and not have to rent out a convention center if the if the venue is large enough um, they could also do like what the LCS studios do where they have matches and people buy tickets to particular matches or, you know, one side of a certain studio um, based on the teams that are playing. And that works for, you know, franchise schedule scheduling uh, matches versus things like DreamHack and uh, like, uh, you know, like the Raleigh Major and things like that, where it's like a bunch of games playing and a bunch of games going on at one time. I don't think every city needs an esports park or at least one for ma- each major city would be decent but like not every city is going to need one and I think they what they should try to do is convert spaces that aren't utilized and build upon those and maybe even convert like an old stadium that no one is using into this like you know use that as a foundation um, but we'll see how what, what Shanghai does and how it turns out and what their standard will be set for before everyone starts to say, hey, we need, you know, starts to tell investors we need our own park. We need our own stadium. Because, again, not every organization is city based. Like you still have things like Team Liquid. You can have like 100 Thieves. You know, not every esport is franchised and not every esports org that has a team is city based and franchised. So it'll be very interesting to see where the like where esports parks go and how they're utilized and how they will help grassroots or not city-based uh esports orgs right so moving on from uh esports parks we have evo it is very much possible that a case of the measles might have or people at evo 2019 might have been exposed to the measles now, it's not known that if someone at the event, you know, uh, a fan or a spectator or a competitor or attendee were one of the people with the measles, but it was reported to um, the Nevada like Health Department that the hotel in the vicinity that Evo was taking place, that there was a there was an individual in that vicinity who had the measles or had broken out with the measles 
And people said that it, it takes, I think it's 10 to 21 days for science to show of the measles. And this article came out like, what, two or three days ago? Um, yeah, like two days ago, like letting people know that this even happened. So it's very much possible that people at Evo could have been exposed. But again, no one knows if it was an attendee or a competitor. It could have just been someone who was at the hotel, um, you know, passing through where people were playing or whatever. They might not even have been attending Evo. Um, but that's super scary. So I hope people who who may have gotten sick pr- prior, uh, previous to Evo go to the doctor and get checked. They might be able to, you know catch signs of the measles virus early i don't know i've never had it but i know that it's very uh contagious um and it could and the thing is is it might come off as you know the typical uh con flu or fever you know what i mean like you might just have coughing or or soreness or like a runny nose or you might have a fever but like those are the signs that you should go to the doctor and get checked because it might not just be like the con flu. It might actually be something more severe. So if you are at Evo 2019, please, please, please go to the doctor, get checked, especially if you are feeling sick. You might have been exposed to measles. This isn't supposed to be like something to scare you or, you know, say, oh, don't go to cons. Just like. Just be aware that it's not always just the con flu. So, again, if you are at Evo 2019, please go to the doctor just to see, you know, hey, I was at this event. Measles might have broken out or measles did break out. I'm feeling these symptoms. Is it possible I have it? If so, you know, what can we do to, you know, negate me breaking out or spreading it? Blah, blah, blah. So moving on for Evo in the, in, in the measles, right? We just did an FGC. Chris Bond, for those of you who don't know, um, and it seemed like a lot of people within the FGC didn't know who he was, which is not surprising to me, but it's also sort of surprising based on esports photographers. Uh, but he didn't seem to be very, I won't say he won't, he didn't seem to be well known. There were more people that seemed to not know who he was than people did from what I saw reading this. But he's been barred from numerous esports events due to response of uh, or allegations of sexual assault. This come, you know, it's it's a really weird time for the FGC because he's not the only person of recently who who was a, uh, you know, banned from events. Guilty, who was also um, a transgender player, she was also pre um just recently banned from events due to uh allegations of um I don't want to say sexual assault with her I don't it was it was something sexual related or sexual harassment um and it's a really weird time like all of, out of nowhere like I won't say out of nowhere because the FGC seems to have a lot of issues in regards to sexual harassment and assault But the amount and how frequently it it's occurring is very alarming. And I don't know what we can do for the FTC as a whole to 
prevent this. I guess people coming forward or people speaking out does help, but to stop it, I think is what we need to get to. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. But um, Dixerto, they're the ones who originally reported on, reported on him getting banned and like I guess seeing all the tweets. Um, but Combo Breaker, CEO, like those type of events, he's no longer. Uh, Chris Bond is no longer uh, allowed to attend. He also gave a statement to Dexterdo, which I will now read. Quote, I wish to express my empathy to the victims for the emotional trauma that came from this. Our scene as a culture in which our scene has a culture in which individuals periodically share rooms, which should serve as a safe space. Now, I don't know if that. I don't know if that meant like something happened. If the people who spoke out against this and said anything, if that means like they mentioned something that might have happened with him sharing a room with them um, or somebody that they were sharing a room with something happened with them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know what that in regards to, but it seems like it was something that didn't happen at an event and that it made that person uncomfortable at the event that it occurred, you know, with this individual who they probably see at a lot of FGC events. So I continue, um, quote, and I, as, as the daughter, as the father of a young daughter, who's been a strong advocate advocate towards maintaining a high moral code, it is imperative, imperative to take accountability for such actions. Um, given the serious nature and urgency of this matter, I am looking into every conceivable aspect that includes seeking professional help as soon as possible. It is imperative that I find an answer. My primary, my primary objective is to set, establish the healing process, push forward, and focus toward building anew. That was his statement. His statement to Dexterdo, um, in regards to the, you know, recent announcement of him being banned from events. It's disappointing for me to see this because I was someone who got into like my kind of footing more into esports was through photography and he was one of the early uh esports photographers that I met and had a conversation with and uh you know was given advice from so it, it is uh very disappointing to see that and again I don't know what the extent of the allegations were but it's you know if it was if people felt uncomfortable, I'm hoping, and it doesn't seem like this may have happened, that he was spoken to about it. It just came off as this happened and this is how I felt. And, but I don't, and I don't want to say like I'm shaming or, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I don't want to say that the, the, the victim is not, you know, telling the truth or anything. I'm just saying from my point of view, it is disappointing with with what this is occurring. And it's not a light thing to just say for people, you know, hey, this, you know, this person that sexually assaulted me in this time because it's so easy to take everything and say that it is. Um, but I don't want to I don't want to take these victims and say, like, oh, they're not telling the truth again. It's disappointing that it occurred, but I'm happy that he is willing to. Um, you know, 
admit his wrongs and say that, hey, I'm willing to get help and try to seek out what the problem is. And in regards to guilty, um, she tweeted and said something about like, hey, like I've done some scumbaggy stuff in regards to like sexual harassment. And then like people just kind of like ignored it. And I think she ended up taking the tweet down at some point. Um, but she posted a screenshot of it again. Um, but she's also been banned from events. But it's just for me, it's a really weird time for the FGC because it seems like every other week this something about sexual harassment or assault is occurring at um like we see it all the time on people's twitch streams like it's it's almost damn near become a norm for irl streamers to be harassed but within the fgc it's not new but i would like to see it a lot less um yeah like just not making people uncomfortable man really that simple like if someone First of all, ask if someone's uncomfortable because sometimes they are and they won't say it. But if you ask them, they'll tell you. Um, And then and just like try to learn to read body language like. And that doesn't mean like touch the person. That means learn what how they're behaving and, and, you know, their facial expressions. And, you know, if they're moving away from you or, you know, just just things like that. Just start asking people, you know, hey, are you comfortable and if you're trying to get them to do something or asking them if they want to do something, please ask them if they're comfortable because you don't want to be someone who come, you know, saying like, hey, this person sexually assaulted me and and you what you feel like wasn't sexual assault. They might have just because you weren't you didn't communicate. So, you know, again, ask people if they're comfortable. Moving on from FTC, we're going to get into so a phase clan announcement. There was a press release. Now, I'm getting tired of all these press releases coming out, but, like, there's never a link to the press release. It's just, hey, there was a press release, and we have this information. Shit's super annoying. Like, just put out the press release if it's a press release. Anyway, press release from FaZe Clan announced that Offset from Amigos has invested into FaZe Clan, and now that he is... Because he's invested, he's essentially joining FaZe Clan. Now, I don't know if this is the same as with Little Yachty when he joined the FaZe Clan. If it was just like, you know, that was like a clout thing. Um, but I'm I'm happy to see that it's not just him joined like, hey, I joined FaZe Clan. It's actually, hey, I invested into this esports organization. I don't even know if you can call them an esports organization anymore, honestly. Um, but I'm happy to see more... Black artists investing into esports, mainly because with the traditional sports, it's a lot of white old money. So you probably don't or won't see many people of color owning or being having money invested into the the these traditional sports team because it's probably so tight knit. But with esports, because it's so new and no one knows where it's going to go and, you know, these these orgs aren't always in the green. They need they need money backed into it. It, it, it I think it gives like that what traditional sports what was an opportunity for people of color who have, you know, new money to invest it. Only thing with offset is. 
I personally just hope that it's not drug money that's being, you know, pushed into FaZe Clan. Now, we could go on a conspiracy theory and say, you know, a lot of money that's invested in things is drug money. You know, the government does this and that. I just hope that, like, it doesn't come out that, like, this money, like, he does something gets busted for something even though i don't think he's part of that lifestyle anymore like he has a family you know he probably wants to make music but again people who come from that lifestyle you don't know if they're ever out of it or how much they've you know stepped away from it but i would not be surprised if it comes out that some of the money that he invested you know might have been drug money um i think that would be hilarious even though it probably would not be the greatest look for FaZe, but I'm ha- again, I'm happy that he's investing in into esports. Now what I have wanted him to invest in FaZe Clan. Probably not. <laughs> um I think there are definitely better and other orgs that would have uh that I think would have been a better look for him to support. But I think FaZe Clan suits his lifestyle appeal and, you know, essentially what Migos and Offset represent. You know, they're, 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 you know, they're not flamboyant. Um, They're very, they're very out there. They're very, you know, uh, they're they're what people would call the typical rapper. Like you look at them, they have money, jewelry, girls, all that and to me that's kind of like what i look at with phase is like these guys want to be in the spotlight so it works it 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 fits um but yeah that's all i really got this week uh there was something else i wanted to to talk about but i can't not remember off the top of my head and unfortunately i did not write it down next week um we could probably discuss uh, this fake studio <laughs> that didn't exist, the scam. I wanted to talk about it this week, but again, Mid State's kind of fucked. So that's what it was. Ah, the Halo Infinite. Uh, Halo Infinite. Their creative director left Three Four Three Studios. Um, did not want to get out of here before letting you guys know that. So Tim Longo, who was the creative director for Halo Infinite, has left Three Four Three Studio Industries. And as you guys know, the game was scheduled for the release of um, fall of 2020, right? Now, his departure doesn't necessarily mean that the game is going to be delayed, pushed forward, or that the game is canceled. Doesn't mean any of that. But let me read. Let me read a Microsoft statement to Kotaku before I dive into it. So, Microsoft stated this quote. Roles and responsibilities of various team members regularly, regular, regularly evolve to meet the needs of a game throughout development. We have recently had two changes to the Halo Infinite development team. Our executive producer, Mary Olson, will now take charge of the campaign team on Halo Infinite as the lead producer, utilizing her many years of experience at 343 to help craft a great campaign for fans. Additionally, Tim Longo has recently departed our team, and we are truly thankful for his many contributions to our game, our studio, and the Halo universe. 
We wished him nothing but the best in his future endeavors. The overall creative vision and production of the game remains led by Chris Lee, studio head of Halo Infinite. We have a world-class team building Halo Infinite and the overwhelming positive response by the fans has us energized more than ever to create the best Halo game to date. Alongside Project Scarlet and Holiday 2020, these changes have no impact on the release date for Halo Infinite. That was Microsoft's um, response to uh, co- to Kotaku about uh, the, the departure of Tim Longo. And I just want to dive into the last sentence, right? These changes have no impact to the release date for Halo Infinite. It's not a lie, but it's also not the truth, right? The game industry is so unpredictable that we don't know if him departing will have any impact on the release date. Because the person, you know, Chris Lee, who who is the uh, studio head of Halo Infinite, he might come, he might step in and say, you know what? He might right now and say, you know, they say the overall vision, creative vision and production of the game remains led by him. But that doesn't take, that doesn't mean that like, you know, what he might've worked with Tim Longo on or, um, you know, if they were even working together, there might be things that get changed by Mary Olsen, who is an executive producer, or Chris Lee, who is the studio head of Halo Infinite. His, Tim Longo's, whatever he was working on or Envision, might not have been agreed upon by everyone. Again, I don't know this. This is all speculation. But I'm just saying, based on working in the game industry, how it can go. Hell, even in uh, the book Blood, Sweat, and Pixels for for uh, uh, Uncharted, they essentially, you know, the reason the game was pushed back and delayed so many times because they essentially scrapped the entire game and redid it. You know what I mean? Like, there was stuff that people worked on and they were like, we're not using that. We need to change the direction of the Nathan Drake story. Like, it has to be this. This is, this is Uncharted. That same thing could happen here with Halo. You have a creative director who's leaving almost what about six almost a half a year um before the game is supposed to release or but again it, it says holiday 2020 so that's almost a, a year and six months or a year and four months like you have an entire year that the game could be altered so to say that there's gonna that the, 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 these changes have no impact on the release date it was kind of a way to reinsure fans that, hey, no matter what, this game is going to come out during, you know, uh, Project Scarlet's release during the holiday season. But here's the issue with that. One, we don't know if that's true. That something could, again, the direction could change and the game could get delayed. But it also, if the game's direction doesn't change or does change and it does get and it doesn't get delayed, we then fall back into the problem of you're now forcing people to crunch and probably crunch unreasonable hours and unreasonable amount of days. And again, 
we're always talking about oh this article came out about these people working on this game and we need to bring awareness at what point do we stop the awareness again this is all speculation i'm i'm totally up to being wrong and i you know i would have be be happy if i was wrong but i'm a pessimist pessimistic person so i will be able to i'm able to maybe not always see the positive but i'm i'm able to see sometimes when there might be a negative that people are willing to ignore based on you know small sentence such as that we don't know what the creative direction might change when it might change if it might change or how it might change that's the only part that bothers me about Microsoft's statement. It, it that seemed like they put that in there to be like, "Hey, don't worry, like nothing's gonna happen to this game." But again, they don't know. But him leaving, I don't, I don't know. Like again, creative direct that would be like if Todd Howard. Well, I don't know if he's considered like a creative director, but me me working at Bethesda. If, if like that would be like if Todd Howard left and and now they change the entire landscape and and creative direction like you know the creativeness of what is Fallout what is like Elder Scrolls if they change all of that because he left and now someone else is like well I have a different vision for what Elder Scrolls should be I have a different vision for what Fallout should be because it's people are still working in a team things have to be, decisions have to be made by groups it's not always one individual just making all the decisions and even sometimes their decisions might conflict with their own you know what options are in front of them but we will see for halo infinite i know there's a lot of people who are super excited about it especially with uh halo master chief collection edition coming to pc which i am excited for um as far as halo infinite can't say I'm too excited for it, uh, mainly because the last few Halos have been very disappointing, in my opinion. Um, starting with Reach, and I know that some people loved Reach, but I did not like the multiplayer for Reach at all. Campaign did not mind whatsoever, but multiplayer uh, for me, it just it, it 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 felt like Halo, but it felt like they were trying to do too much with it, and that's what made it not feel like the part that didn't feel like Halo. It made it really feel not like Halo. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens and what 343 does um, in regards to Tim Mongo departing and the release of Halo Infinite. So on that note, guys, I'm going to be closing out this episode. Again, this was episode 28. I appreciate, I appreciate you guys listening. I love you all. And until good game, do us part. I'll talk to you guys on the next episode. Peace out.